Hi. Thank you. Um, so if you couldn't guess, I'm Jake the drummer that Nathan was talking about. Um, yeah, and I'm really happen, ha happy, there we go, really happy to be here um, with you guys and in this space, man. This is just a beautiful, beautiful place, um, which is awesome because I was thinking about places uh, last night as I was prepping for today. Um, and here's what I'm wondering, man, is do you guys have a favorite place? Right, that place, whether it's like a, a region, it's a, it's a home, it's a, a tree, um, right, a bookstore, coffee shop, um, whatever. Do you have that favorite place, that place that you love, that place that always feels like home, um, a place where you're never in the wrong mood to go to, right? Um, I don't know if you guys do, but I definitely do, and that's, to me, that's the, the Pacific Northwest, Right? Um, and anywhere there, man, you get me west of the Cascade Mountains and north of California, and I am a very happy dude. Um, and it's, I, because I love it out there, man. It's, it's beautiful, and there's also kind of this sense of the mystical out there. Um, the, the forests are old and dark, and there's fog all the time, and moss, which I miss. There's no moss up here. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, so I love it, man. I love the Northwest, but more than that, I also respect it. Um, and that is more than just like I'll go around and pick up litter and if I'm out there and make sure I recycle, right? Um, I do that. But more than that, um, I respect it so much that the Northwest, to me, is the place by which all other places are judged. Um, like, and I do that because... The Northwest has, and it's the treeest trees, right? And the rainiest rain, definitely the rainiest rain. Um, and, and the muddiest mud, right? And I, I love the mud. It's fun, man. And, like, Evergreen's great, all right? But let's be honest, the rain out here is not really rainy, right? Mud lasts maybe 10 minutes before it dries up, right? So it's nice, but it ain't, it ain't enough, right? It ain't the Northwest. It ain't that favorite place, um, and I know uh, you guys do this too, and if you have a favorite place, you judge every other place by your favorite place, and that's like, let's take, for example, someone who loves evergreen, because people who love evergreen love evergreen, right? They'll go, they'll go to another mountain town and look around and be like, yeah, there's, there's some good evergreen trees around here, but, you know, oh, there's beautiful skies, but... Um, Nick Donoff's cracking up back there. Um, right, it's you, you judge, um, you judge other places by that, that favorite place of yours, right? And here's the thing, is when we're doing that, we are, in a limited sense, worshiping those places. Um, we're putting those places above every other place, and we're adhering to that place's standards, and we're showing love to that place. We're showing respect for that place. And so in that small way, we are respecting, or I'm sorry, respecting that, but also worshiping that place. I worship the Northwest in a small way. Um, maybe in an indirect way, if you want. But um, so that's worship, man, that love and respect for other places. And when we worship God, Right? We're doing exactly what we're doing with those other places. We're showing a love, we're showing a respect for them. And as we do that, as we do it more and more often, as we 
Um, and as we gain more experiences with God through that worship, um, we begin to put him higher and higher and higher above all the things in our lives, right? And the goal, hopefully, right, is to have him at the top. Um, he never is, right? Be honest with yourself. Um, but that's, that's what worshiping God is. It's loving him and respecting him so much that you hold, judge everything by his standards. Love isn't good love or the best love if it doesn't look like God's love, right? Um, so, that's worship, man. And that's what we're focusing on today. Um, trying to give, we like to do this every couple of months. Um, just take time out from the teaching side of things and really focus on and enjoy the worship side of a church service. Um, and so we do that. We've got tons of songs to play for you guys today. Um, we're also, I'm going to, like, uh, again, like Nathan said, I'm going to speak, and Chris Donath, who's hiding somewhere, is going to speak. Um, and what we're, we're going to be talking about um, songs that are sacred to us. And we're doing this as a way, like, if you're um, new to being a Christian, new to the faith, um, or if you've just kind of never thought about worship, you just get, you sing the songs, and you do the things, and... Um, wanted to give you guys maybe something to, to think about, um, something that maybe might help you look at it differently, or just something you can completely ignore. Um, it's always fun to completely ignore something. Uh, makes you feel smart. Uh, um, so we're talking about songs that are sacred to us, right? And our, um, the basic definition of sacred, and I want to define it because it's a really slippery word, the very basic definition of sacred is something set aside for God's use only. It's something that is only and primarily for God. Um, you know, this, this stage becomes sacred when we step, on, step onto it and sing these songs or preach a sermon. Um, these pews even become sacred when we sit down in them in order to together experience and learn about God, right? There's things that we've set aside for God's use only. So um, that's what Chris and I talk about, the sacred, right? And what's sacred to me, um, what's become really sacred to me, man, is, uh, is two things, and that is fear and determination. Um, back before I became a Christian, and for a little while right afterwards, um, I was, and I've said this several times. Um, I've said this several times before, but I was the worst person that I've ever met. I was just a terrible dude. Um, drugs, booze, thieving, cheating, lying. Um, I was a bad guy. And I wanted to change, right? Um, you live like that long enough, you find yourself wanting to change. Um, and I found, I found that change. I found a chance at that change in God and in the church and in Christ. And um, so I started chasing that down, learning more, praying more, trying to become, right, that better person, that guy that I hoped God had made me to be. Um, and as I was trying this, man, occasionally the old me would pop up, um, like it does, right? We're never perfect, sinless people, right? We never, it's not like we never make mistakes, right? Um, so that old me would pop up, and it would terrify me. 
because I was scared of going backwards and becoming again that person that I had just kind of stepped away from. Um, I was terrified, and so and, and when that would happen, man, I'd I'd sit down um, with my Bible or just on my knees, and um, it wasn't quite praying. I don't know. It's, it's like, have you guys ever felt at God? Like just. I, I just sat there and kind of, there's like this storm of, of regret, of shame, of all that stuff, man, but o- over everything was fear. And I would just sit there and let that kind of storm rip through my mind, terrified, but also determined that I wouldn't go back. And I knew the only time I'd ever gotten better, right, was with God. And so just determined to hang on. Um, and maybe, maybe I wouldn't go forward, but at least I wouldn't go backwards, right? Um, and and over over the f- a few months as that happened, as I just kept, again, with that determination, I'm just not going back. That's all I know. Um, with that determination, eventually kind of the, the storm of my past kind of moved into my past. And I like realized that the fear that I was feeling had changed. Um, I wasn't afraid anymore of who I had been, right? Now I was a little afraid of who I was going to be, afraid of what it would take to be the man, right, that God was calling me to be, afraid of what it would take to do the things that God would probably call me to do. Um, I was scared. But here's the thing is that's the kind of fear that I love. That's I'm an adventurer, man, and that's the kind of fear you feel right before an adventure, um, and so coming through all of that, man, kind of stepping into that, I don't know, into the beginnings of a new Jake the Drummer, right? Um, I've got this new, this new faith, right? And it's, it's born out of and really carried by fear and determination. And I've set both of those things aside as tools for God to use. Um, fear to kind of challenge me and kind of tease me. Um, and determination to push into it, to dive into the, uh, um, dive into the challenge, dive into the new life, man. And so that's what these next two songs that we're going to sing are about. Is it's they're about fear, and they're about the determination to look at Christ and to look at God and to pull yourself through it. So um, one last thing before we play this, do you guys good? Come on, come on, um, musicians. Uh, <laughs> Um, just, so just so you guys know, there's going to be a lot of like, we'll sing a couple songs and someone will talk so that there could be a lot of up and down throughout the service. Guys, if you feel like standing and singing with us, please do. If you'd rather just sit through the whole thing, I'm not going to mind and I'm pretty sure God doesn't mind. So, I don't know, you can roll that dice if you want to. (laughs) Hi, I'm Chris and I'm going to add to what Jake said. Hey Jake, where are you? Nice job, dude. That's my, that's my slang for the day. I got to stay cool, you know. I'm going to add to what Jake said um, in the element of the ways in which I find sacred, lo- what sacred looks like in songs that have created emotional health for me. In 1968, I went to college, and I went as a music major. And during those four years that I was in college, Christian music took a huge shift. 
And it became kind of like, eh, the conflict was, are those new songs as sacred as those old songs, as the hymns? Did they present to someone it, what church looks like, what sacred looks like? And I had to decide as a church leader, what, is it okay to use musically and what's okay to use in a church service and yet still use words and melodies that created a sense of sacredness? What songs have helped me understand what sacred looks like? what Jesus looks like. And when I see it, what happens emotionally? And is it okay to have that emotion? So sacred for me, uh, Jake said sacred for him are things set aside for God only, and sacred for me is the same thing. But it's also those things that take me and connect me to God, deeply to God. Those things that cause me to focus on God. And for me, that's often goosebumps, or I will say sometimes, it made my soul sore. And people go, oh, what, you know, what is that? But it can be a slow song or it can be a fast song. So then I think, well, Chris, okay, in the process of my thinking of sacred, if I define it that way, then that word can be used in any religious con context. To a Hindu, a sacred text can be, a Hindu text can be sacred, and Muslim, the Quran can be sacred. To a Christian, the biblical text is sacred. Music, then, in those cultures will connect anyone to their God, and, and it is sacred to them. But as I have grown and as I have aged, and my experience has taught me that in a Christian context, it's been ever-changing. And things that change not only change from one generation to the next, but they change from one individual to one individual. Because we each have a different life story. It's because we come out of different backgrounds, we come out of different joys, we come out of different tragedies. And without even realizing it, the two songs that I chose have amazing life stories. And at CLC, when we feel comfortable, we often will tell our life stories in our conversations. And it, it, it's just an emotional thing, it's a, it's a connecting thing. And these two songs that I chose actually caused me to connect with God. I chose How Great Thou Art, which is a hymn, and uh, that's not why I chose it, though, because it, it does speak to me. It's sacred to me. It's part of my heritage, and I respect tradition, and it has stood the test of time, and I, I do like that. But the truth is that songs or messages that are told in story form or imagery that I can see in my head, they cross borders, and they become sacred. And sometimes they cross villages or they cross countries. And sometimes they do that quickly, sometimes they do that slowly. But this one, How Great Thou Art, started as a poem written by a 26-year-old pastor in Sweden. He wrote the poem. It kind of got published. And then he, in his mind, well, it was forgotten. But he was really surprised because a few years later, he heard that poem being sung. And that poem was a response, an emotional response to him from something he'd read in the Bible. So when he heard it sung, the song being sung, he was pleased. And son of a gun, if that song didn't show up in Russia. Songs do that. They just kind of go over the hill. And someone in Russia heard it. And he expanded on it, and he wrote the verses that you're going to hear when we sing it. Um, the first verse, O oh Lord my God, I an awesome wonder, the thunder and stuff, he wrote that in the mountains of Russia in the uh, 
Carpathian Mountains. And he was in a thunderstorm, and he wrote that first verse. The second verse, he was on the um, borders of Romania, and he heard the birds singing, and he, he formed that second verse. The third verse, which we will be singing, um, is when he saw those people in the mountains of Carpathia start to think about God, kind of give him a chance, and even come to believe in God. And then the last verse, he wrote, when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation, he actually wrote after he returned back to Great Britain, and he added that verse on. When he, and then, sometime later, another missionary guy heard the song being sung by the Naga tribes people in Assam, India. I read this to my husband. He said, oh, I know that tribe. Nick travels to Myanmar. The northern part of Myanmar is part Naga tribesmen. He works with the Naga tribesmen. And that song went to, to Assam, India. When that guy took it to America. And then it came to California and it was published. And it, now we've gone from 1885 to 1957. And that song has been sung in every Billy Graham crusade that ever was. So when you sing the song this morning, now you know where it came from. And it's so, I have goosebumps, it's sacred. And you will also be singing it with millions of people over these years that have sung that song. And everywhere it went, it was the message, how great thou art. Oh, Lord my God, how great thou art. It's such a life story. And I've asked the guys to sing it in, uh, to sing it a cappella. Because I love music sometimes when there's no instruments, just the voices. So they're going to do that. They're going to sing it without instruments. And they're going to sing it in parts. And harmony does that for me. And we've heard a lot of nice harmony this morning. But we don't have a bass. So is George here? No. So, <laughs> George, there you go. We want to hear the bass. We want to hear the bass. And as we sing it, then I want you to sing your parts. If, if you grew up with it and you know a part, sing your part. Sing it out and let's raise the roof because we come this morning not to sing for you. We come to sing with you. So even though it's a cappella, you're part of the, the choir as well. My second song I chose because I love the harmonies, and it's a song that is based on the hymn, It Is Well. And It Is Well has an amazing life story. And very quickly, I just want to tell you, because when we come together on a Sunday and we sing, and we sing together, those are aha moments. Those are sacred moments. It's kind of where sin meets sacred. And we just sing together. It is well was written in 18, or was started with the story of a man in 1871. And he was in the Chicago fire. And everything he owned was wiped out. And the same year, he lost his only son at four years old, scarlet fever. He put his life and his wife and his four kids into working and rebuilding and refurbishing Chicago, helping the poor, helping the needy. In 1873, they decided to go across the sea to England and to meet, see some friends who happened to be very famous preachers at the time. But something came up. He could not get in the boat. He couldn't get in the ship with them that time. So he said goodbye to them, sent them across, and he would come later. Somewhere on November 22nd, in the middle of that cruise, that, that travel, that ship hit an ironclad vessel, and it sunk. And he lost all four of his daughters. 
But his wife survived, and when she got to England, she, no, yeah, England, she wrote a telegram that said, survived alone. He decided to go to England and be by his wife, and he got in the boat. And the captain graciously said to him when they came to the spot where the ship went down, this is where your, your four daughters died. And he stood there, and it was very difficult, and he went down to his cabin, and he couldn't fall asleep. And he wrote the words, it is well with my soul. It is well. And as I live my life, I think, is it well? Is it going to be well? When I get some bad news, will it be well? This song tells me, yes, it's sacred to me. It takes me to God. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. So they're going to sing, How Great Thou Art, and a contemporary version of it is well with a little part of the hymn in it. To sing with us, stand up, please. <laughs> 